football with Cleve and Dave, and we have a special guest today, Matty Ice. Hey, how's, how's it going, fellas? What's Good. up, Matt? What's going on? Hey, just want to preface, guys. This guy, Matt, is a six-time champion just in one sport in the region of the country he's from. So I don't, or Dave doesn't feel sorry for this guy at all, that he's lived through six championships just in one sport. So just got to open with that. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for Boston sports fans in general for anything ever. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. So a lot's been going on in the, in the last week or so. Every week that we do this show, we've, um, you know, some kind of crazy thing has happened in society, in our country, in our world, basically. Uh, football is one thing that keeps us kind of um, detached from things for a little bit, at least for one you know, weekend or so. So, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. How are you guys doing today, each of you? Don't both speak at the same time. <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, so I'll go first. So, no, I'm doing uh, I'm doing okay. I'm a little worried about this, uh, the uptick in the cases that we have going on right now, both in society in general and in the NFL. And we'll get to some of the crazy scheduling. So, I'm a little worried about that. But otherwise, I'm doing good. Has there been like a, a recent update? As I thought everything was, I mean, at least for the last 24 hours, we hadn't had any kind of, uh, I guess the game tonight's going off, the um, Titans and uh, Bills. Yes, everything tonight is set, to, is set to still go. But, you know, they had to change a whole bunch of schedule, the schedule coming up. I'm even confused about what games are actually happening this weekend. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure who the Jets play this week. But, yeah, it's... it's I'm it's pretty crazy. sure it's going to be a loss, so <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'm not worried about it. And Matt, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, I think I'm in the same boat as you fellas about this this COVID stuff. And Cleve, you and I have talked uh, online and offline about you know our concerns relative to what's going on. But uh, Dave, I wanted to ask you a question because you know I've had this conversation with a few people, and I don't really get a satisfying answer. But uh, at what what's the breaking point for this um, for the competitive imbalance as they try and reschedule the heck out of this whole thing? I mean, at some point they're going to schedule themselves into a corner, I would think. Yeah, so they are they are going to have some issues going forward. The thing is, is that competitive imbalance is not their primary concern. Their primary concern is getting the money. So. Yeah they're going to continue playing if there's competitive imbalance and that'll just be that they just need to have be able to say that the champion at the end is legitimate and that's much easier to do in the nfl i mean baseball played what like four games per team and then everybody made the playoffs <laughs> yeah, so yeah. crazy so Although, yeah i think that they're gonna that you know they're gonna have a week 18 i bet where they have to push the season back but there's nothing saying they have to play the super bowl first week of february they might play it the last weekend of march and just keep taking a two-week break every so often but they'll get the season in and they'll they'll play there's too much money not to i agree i just you know think that it, it would make a lot of sense for the league to look at what's happening already and this is a very small sample size with how much of the season is remaining and it's like well maybe we have an alternate date for the super bowl like we keep what we have now but make the negotiations to maybe have that late march or whatever it is and then when things get a little out of hand and they try to reschedule things they have the flexibility to push it back and i wonder if that's already happening you both guys remember the last event that pushed the Super Bowl to where it is now, right? Do you guys remember? Am I that old? Wasn't it? It wasn't uh, September 11th. Wasn't yes, it? it was. Yeah. yeah. Super Bowl used to be the end of January. Yeah. And it got pushed a week out. So that's that's why we have, you know, so to Dave's point, too, um, and, and I'll, I'll touch on what Matt said about the competitive um, imbalance. 
Um, so teams that have like a like a, a tie, I think Dave and I have talked about this quite a bit. You know what happens then because everyone's on a buy at some point, right? And we're going to run into having games either canceled altogether or have to be played so late in the game where it's a week 19, then a week 20, then a week 21. So um, I'm in I'm in both sides of that cart with you guys. Um, I feel that it is a competitive imbalance because a lot of teams are not going to be able to field the same, you know, the same talent. So if your quarterback's down, like Cam was down this week and I suppose next week as well, well, this weekend, He's down again, right? Is he playing? I don't know. I mean, it's um, according to BB, it's like he could still test positive and somehow play because I think as we both, as we all know, somebody could test positive for a really long time but not be contagious or asymptomatic. So I, I don't know how they determine that. I just know that that's what Bill said recently. He, I say Bill like as if I know the guy. He should be out for at least three weeks. He has to go. Yeah, on the I, I, list. I agree. And just, that's, just, yeah. just for his own safety as well. Yeah, the only person, the only person who can not follow the CDC or state mandatory guidelines <laughs> as the president. Like, like yeah. you test positive, you're down for at least two weeks, 20 days if it's a more severe case. But I think the IR COVID list for the NFL is three weeks minimum. But that's yeah. three weeks, not three games. So the delay in the games, and it's going to get crazy. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's get started with the uh, first game up on tap from last Thursday. Dave, what do we got? Okay. So last Thursday, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 19 at the Chicago Bears 20. <laughs> oh, my God. It was that close. It was, it was, it was that close. The Bears pulled out the win. And I just want to mention a couple things real quick. And we got Matt here. So this is going to be extra satisfying. Um, <laughs> although I guess Brady is a Michigan guy. So I should like him too, but I don't. So, uh, awesome. Brady, so Brady got the ball back with uh, up by two with 2.35 left in the game and immediately went three and out instead of just closing the game out. Then he got the ball back down by one uh, and then forgot what down it was. Wow. That happened, actually? Or are you taking, like, a jab? No, no, it really happened. He spiked the ball on first down and forgot about it. So on third down, he, or fourth down, he chucked it downfield thinking it was third down, game over. So situation awareness, he wasn't aware where down the distance was, or he didn't, he wasn't aware of what, what was the, what was the situation? Period. I mean, they can say that happens as you get older; it's harder to keep track of things. Um, wow, but no, yeah, he he's just making mistakes that he never used to make before. I mean, he's still throwing pick sixes like he has for a while, but these sort of like mental errors, it, he's not good enough, and the team's not good enough to overcome those sorts of things. He's got to clean that up if they're gonna make some noise. Nice. Matt, what do you got on that? I mean, I, I've, I've always felt this year coming for Brady, like I think he had an unrealistic expectation about what he was going to do after leaving New England. And I personally thought it was the best move for the franchise. I have no ill will toward Brady. I, ne I, I never will. And not that I'm like a homer, but it's like, hey, the guy put in 20 years, six championships. There's no reason to complain in any sport. Any Boston sports fan who does is just full of shit. Agreed. So um, it's full of shit. And my father's one of them. And I'm like, and actually he's not one of them. He's been one of the people who's like, we put in the time anyway. But so with Brady, when you spend that kind of time in the same system around most of the same people, just the general culture of it, I think there's a lot of comforts that you come to be sort of used to. And there's a lot of things you don't really have to worry about coming into the season. I was thinking about this earlier and it's like, for the most part, Brady could show up. He knew what he was going to get out of his coach. He knew what he was going to get out of his owner. And he knew generally what to expect out of the season when it came to coaching and other types of things. And then 
year to year, when you have that continuity with the players too, he doesn't have to get used to every single person. He's just, mm-hmm. you know, he just really has to get used to the people that are either new or, you know, whatever. But this year, he's thrown everything completely off its rocker for him, where he's learning everything new. And in these yeah. and these game situations where he's used to, you know, having that continuity with the players, like his offensive line and so forth. I, from what I understood, he was, you know, sort of confused about the down, like you said, Dave. But I think he was also a little miffed that somebody didn't like tell him about what was going on. And that's where I wonder if those little issues of having to get used to new coaches, new players, new environments, new terminology, all that is a lot to process. He's at the tail end of his career. He's clearly not playing at his prime level anymore, although he's probably better than the league average right now. But, And, and I, I, I kind of thought to myself, this seems like one of those instances where so many things rolling through your head. He forgot the game situation. And those are little things that are slipping because of the fact that everything is an adjustment for him now. It's not just he goes in and everything feels familiar and you make a mistake. It seems, and I wondered if that was part, you know, partly to blame there for him. I think he just forgot that that to ask for the play the football. That's that's my take on the whole shit. That's very possible. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Dave, what do you got next? Okay, so moving on to the Sunday one o'clock games. The first game we have, we have Jacksonville fourteen at Houston without Bill O'Brien thirty. Mm. Romeo Cornell, huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think he had much to do with it, but I do think that he just sort of let Deshaun go out there and do what Deshaun Watson uh, is supposed to do, especially in the second half. And I think that the philosophy for the next coach needs to be let Deshaun cook. Like, let him just take over games from the start and be the main focus and do what he's supposed to do because he is phenomenal. Yeah, he's. I mean, I, I, I agree with that in, in, in the regards of, you know, you got a weapon at quarterback, unleash him. You know, don't 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 bottle him up. So, you know, hopefully, like you said, hopefully the next coach would use him to abilities. And obviously they're going to need to get a GM because <laughs> that, that whole de facto GM thing is not working. Yes, out. they fire. They fire the play caller, the coach and the general manager all on the same day, all at the same time. Exactly. All right. Um, anything on, that, on, on this game that that was that stood out to you guys? Uh, well, I, I want nothing to do with that with that um that division on a weekly basis like there's just i i I really don't i've been complaining about that division forever and i just yes you have you have i find nothing appealing about it whatsoever um (laughs) it's week to week but i don't know i i I found the bill o'brien thing to be really funny because it's like he's a good example of a coach who comes in and, and is like i know more than everybody and instead of like what you said dave just let Watson do his thing it's very clear that he's an extremely talented person let him do his thing give him some free reign to do uh what he's do- you know what he's capable of doing and the the, the results kind of speak for themselves they really didn't accomplish anything with him as coach and when you piss off one of your you know best players you're kind of not going to be there for a long time you're yeah absolutely all right Dave so next got- game up we have Oh my goodness! The Bengals three at the Ravens twenty-seven. Whew. Uh, so what do you? So okay. So obviously Burrow <laughs> struggled a little bit. Um, what do, was that a good game for him? Meaning that to get that kind of loss to get a welcome to the NFL, like it's not all. It's not. It's not all going to be like you thought it was. going to be. I think this game. This was actually one of the strangest football games I've ever seen in my life. So the Ravens win twenty-seven to three. Lamar throws mm-hmm. 37 passes and runs twice. 
and Joe Mixon for the Bengals gets 24 carries for 59 yards. Which team was winning and which team was losing? Yeah, if, if that was a radio broadcast, I wouldn't even know what to say. Like, if you weren't watching that, what right. would I mean, say? if the Bengals are going to give 24 carries for 59 yards when they're getting trounced, like, just just opt out, like, just forfeit. Why are you even why are you even risking giving Lamar the COVID? Just leave. I, I don't I don't get it. Something like that makes me so mad. Yeah, it was crazy. What do you got, uh, Matt? What do you think? Um, I, I don't really get the Ravens this year. I know that on paper they're you know what as Bill Parcells used to say, your record is what you know you are what your record says you are. But they haven't really looked that impressive to me outside of their thrashing of the Browns, and it, it seems like they've almost reverted back to what they were trying to do with Lamar before last year and I I don't know maybe I'm misreading it but it's it's very strange for him to have what would you say Dave two attempts for like three yards yeah yeah he had uh three yards total rushing on two attempts but he threw the ball 37 times in a game they were winning comfortably the whole way yeah well two two things could have been happening either he could have been maybe had like a slight something going on or they felt it was a trap game and you know Risk an injury or whatever, he doesn't need to run all over the fucking mangles. Yeah, but even then, 37 pass attempts, like, hand it to Mark Ingram. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's true. It's, yeah, you guys yeah, got it's, it was just very strange. It was weird all over the place. I'm glad nobody got hurt <laughs> in the game and we just got through it or whatever. But I'm more disappointed in the Bengals. Just, like, you know, it's what I said last week. You don't coach to lose as good as possible. You coach to win. Like the Bengals should have lost this game sixty-five to three, but and it would have been a better coaching job because they've been trying to win the game rather than twenty-four carries for fifty-nine yards. It's it's quitting. It's quitting in the middle of the game. Mm, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I could agree with that. Uh, the next game we got here, we have <laughs> uh, Bill O'Brien's got company. Panthers twenty-three, Falcons sixteen. Man. All right, every week I'm going to say this until this happens. And again, I always got to preface where I'm not clamoring for anyone to lose their job because I know that it's a, a you know, gut-wrenching thing to happen to someone's livelihood. How does this guy keep his job? Guys, give me something. Either one of you, give me something. How is he well, keeping he's his not. job? Well, he didn't. Yeah, he's gone. He's they gone? Him. What did they I miss? They him and the GM, didn't they? Yep, they got rid of Dimitrov too. And the GM, holy shit, Wow. Hot take. I didn't even know. Breaking news on political football. Gone. When did that happen? Oh gosh, that was that was like Monday morning. It might have even been Sunday night. It might have been on the field. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, Arthur Blank might have just ran down with a two by four like hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh started swinging on started swinging on uh Dan Quinn. I mean, you could see it on his face during the game that he was like, I cannot wait to fire this guy. Um. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So. Dan Quinn is gone, and I have a question for you guys, and that is yeah. two seasons from now. So in the 2022 season, will Matt Ryan and Julio Jones both be on the Falcons? No. 2022, Right, no. so this is actually a total rebuild. Mm-hmm. They really don't have anything. Yeah, they got to blow the whole team up and start from scratch. I mean, I mean, Arthur Blank's got the money. He's a billionaire like these other guys are, so I guess they can... You know, look towards the draft and see what they can get. Yeah, he just, um, you know, they have Calvin Ridley. And I think they have like a couple good defensive players, but that's it. And whoever comes in now is going to be saddled with Ryan and Julio next year, like in their year one. 
I would not take this job. No. So let me ask you guys, um, what was, was the problem totally coaching or was it just personnel? And when I say coaching, I'm not, I'm talking position coaches as well as head coach, obviously the entire situation. What do you think the, the, um, the miscues were with this team? You want to take this first, Dave? Sure. So I think that, I think that this team is, uh, definitely not well coached and that the players are not responding to the coach anymore. You know, it's clear that Dan Quinn just is not inspiring or motivating. They're not listening to him. He has completely lost, lost that team. And then also the team's just not very talented. And on top of that, they have a lot of injuries, you know, coming into the season, I didn't think that they'd be as bad as the New York teams, but they are. Mm -hmm. And it's for all those reasons together. Yeah. I mean, it didn't help that you, you know, they blown a lot of leads going back to a Super Bowl <laughs> run. Um, yeah, I, I got to take well, that. <laughs> I got to take that, I think jab. too, like, um, if you look at since that game, since that Super Bowl, you know, loss that they had, they've gone precipitously downhill ever since. And I've been getting the feeling watching them that they are, they're, they're less and less um, capable of sort of being there in the moment. It's like it, there's an intangible about that team that has been missing since they blew that lead. And and I, I do think that ultimately it comes down to coaching. And I wonder if some of the big-time players on that team, and I'm thinking like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, those guys, started losing confidence in Dan Quinn as soon as they blew that lead because they didn't rebound. Like, it was one of those franchise-crushing losses that you see a lot of times when, like, you know, a team blows a, a big lead in, like, one of their, you know, championship games. And it's like they never recovered from it. And now they don't – I mean, yes, they're not talented. They have a lot of injuries. But I think it was very clear that Dan Quinn – couldn't motivate those guys. And I wondered if it started way back then and has just gotten worse. Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned last week, I think it was a week before today, I think that a Patriots, Patriots curse is like when when you guys play the team, that team doesn't look the same. You know, meaning same quarterback, same coach. I know other moving parts happen, but, you know, they just seem to, after that Super Bowl run, they just, it was not good for that team no. at all beyond that. Right, we got so the next, next game was a real fun one. We have the Raiders 40 at the Chiefs 32. Man, I was <laughs> I didn't I didn't think I text either one of you guys if this was happening. I didn't think I text anybody because I was like, I can't. So last this week happening. I you asked me to compare Mike Pence and Kamala Harris to different teams, and I compared Kamala to the Chiefs, yeah. which I still stand by. And I compared Mike Pence to the Raiders, and that was a huge insult to John Gruden. Like John Gruden is willing to change to do what he thinks is right to win, even if it's not what he wants to do. Whereas Mike Pence is not. Mike Pence up for that debate, just lying and being goofy and all that, and not doing anything. John Gruden, you could see the anguish on his face every time Derek Hard dropped back to throw a bomb, but it's what they needed to do to win the game. Yeah, they had they had to get in the shootout. They had they had to get into a situation where. They got to get well, up. The thing is, to quick. beat the Chiefs, you have to outscore them, and you, so you yes. can't just yes. you can't just turtle and whatever. And I feel like this game, watching this game, it reminded me a lot of watching the Jimmy Butler game for the finals, where he just had like a million points, and he was like, "I'm just going to win this game, and there's nothing you can do about it." I feel like the Raiders yeah. were sort of like that in in this particular game. I think they just had an A plus effort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they played very, very good football. I also think that Gruden's smart enough and has been around long enough to know that, like, 
you know, one-to-one player-to-player their rosters, like, they don't match up talent-wise with the Chiefs. And obviously no one does, but going into that game, it's like, all right, we don't match up with this. So if we stick to our traditional game plan, it's probably not going to work because it's nearly impossible to keep the Chiefs under 30 points consistently. Um, and even at the end of that game, you kind of felt like, well, they've, they're down by eight. Mahomes has the ball. It's very possible that this game could go to overtime. But it, believe it's kind of like in, in the fight game when you have two fighters and one fighter knows he's not nearly on the same level as the other guy. And he's got to take he's down in the mm-hmm. fight. He's got to take risks. You got to You got to go for yeah. the knockout. And I think that's what the Raiders did. They're like, we may not be successful, but we're going to throw bombs. And it, it was successful. Now, could they do that? That sustained, you know, if they played that game 10 times, would that happen that way? Who knows? But it, it was successful the one time they needed it to be. Uh, the answer to that question is no. I agree. The, the, the Raiders probably beat the Chiefs three times out of 10. Yeah. But this was one of them, and that's how you make that happen when you're an mm-hmm. underdog. That's the yeah. exact right way to do it. Yep. The Let, let me ask you both guys a question. Any other coach in Andy Reid, can Mahomes do anything like that with another coach? Like, when he drops back and plays, it's like he's playing Madden or he's playing some kind of video game, and he's doing things that you would never want to see a quarterback do. You know, some of the dropbacks are like 10 yards drop back. He's, and then he's running, you know, kind of in the open field. Like, how do you guys feel about Any coach that would try to limit Mahomes and what he can do is a coach that deserves to be fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, let Mahomes go. I mean, literally, Andy Reid got a Super Bowl. (laughs) Like, just, he was like, oh, this guy, okay, and that's that. Yeah, sweet. Uh, The next next game we have, we have the Cardinals uh, 30 at the New York Jets 10. Now, we broke the news that Dan Quinn had been fired. Adam Gase has not been fired yet, Khalif. He's not. Yeah, I think he has, like you said, he he has something on the uh, on the administration. He has like maybe pictures of of a of a cocaine binge. I don't know. It's just it's just unbelievable. But to Mike Greenberg's um, kind of like his uh, sentiment, I think what let him finish it out because what who do we have to step up? <laughs> I mean, the season is lost. There's nothing that we can do at this point to um, to win our division to even you know save face so it's just like let him finish it out and then and then jettison okay him first, first of end. all what you know? could gates possibly have on woody johnson so the owner of the jet for the listeners it's <laughs> not we go he's donald trump's ambassador to england yep and he tried to move <laughs> the british open golf tournament at trump's request from saint andrews to the Trump horse. <laughs> he actually approached the hey. government of England about doing this, and I'm pretty sure somewhere he's about to get arrested. It was a name drop. Hey, you know, my friend who happens to be the president of the United States would like so favor, My question is, you know? what information could Adam Gase have on Woody Johnson that's worse than, like, light treason and definite, like, impeachment and probably a <laughs> felony? Yeah, okay, good point. Yeah, I, I think that they're just keeping Gaze around. I think that the players actually like him. And so they they know that once they do fire him, it's just going to be a complete disaster. So they're going to actually wait till it's, you know, a little bit later. I mean, um, on the other side of this coin, Greg Williams, again, with these guys, these, this defense is so undisciplined, it's unreal. Like, the penalties that rack up with the hits and the, just the kind of Bush League stuff that goes on. So, I mean, there's not much to see here. Dumpster fire uh, on wheels. 
Um, but this, this is a question for uh, for both of you. Uh, start with you, Cleve. Did you have a chance to see Trevor Lawrence this weekend? Uh, you think? Yeah, a little bit. I think he's great. I think he's prototypical, you know, in the pocket, tall, uh, good arm. I think he's great. I mean, I don't think he should come to the Jets. I don't think he's going to have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, in in all seriousness, it's like it's like until you have a coach in place, um, which we don't have a coach in you know any confidence in this coach. It, it's going to be hard to, to to have this guy come out. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the old John Elway, Eli Manning type move where this hey man, I'm you know, can you guys trade me or whatever? Like I'm not coming there. I wouldn't come. I wouldn't come to New York. I wouldn't do it. You know, but you're right. He has no choice in the That's right. Matt, what do you think of uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the obvious first overall pick in the draft? Uh, before I get there, breaking news. Apparently the Jets trade Le'Veon Bell. I just saw that on Twitter. Um, so so there's that. I don't know what they'll yeah. get for him because they've pretty much you know made him obsolete. But um, I did watch him. And, um, you know, I've watched him enough to kind of have a good feel for it. But the ironic part is most of these quarterbacks um, end up getting drafted to poorly run teams. And, you know, we'll get to rookies a, a little bit later, I hope, because I have some stuff on, on two guys that have been in the news. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's like I, I, I thought he looked good. Um, the, the moment the moment doesn't ever seem too big for him yet in college. And it's a little different because I think the talent disparity is such in college that it's, you know, a lot of little things can get masked when not everybody's on the same level of eliteness for the most part, but I thought he looked good. And, um, you know, Miami is a tough, Miami for me is a tough opponent and I'm not trying to bash another team in this paper. That's just happened to be who they played. No, but (laughs) but that just happened to be who they played. And they haven't really been relevant for 20 years. And every year it's like the use back, yeah, the use back. Out. And they always seem to fall flat on their face in some of the biggest moments outside of like one or two. Um, so I, for me, it's a little tough to, to, to know against that opponent. But I think his body of work has at least shown that he's good enough to, I think, be number one overall. But what happens once he gets drafted by whatever team? I was also apparently reading that if the Jets and Giants both go 0-16, that like the Giants would potentially get that pick instead so i was like the jets could still go 0 and 16 and not get the first pick so that's 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 type stuff that's amazing i think yeah (laughs) i think for i think for a guy and i don't don't know if we've ever talked about this day i think for a guy like trevor you know trevor like he's never really lost technically so i think coming into the nfl and getting some of that humble pie when every rookie comes in and just gets their you know their chin strap <laughs> rattled. I think that he, you know, it's going to be hard for him to go to a team that's 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 not really up to snuff because he's used to winning. And if, if the if the recipe for you know receivers and 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 a running back and a good defense, he may have to do everything. And you know that could be too much on his psyche. That's my take on it. All right. So for the next uh, for the next game, we have the Eagles twenty nine at the Steelers thirty eight. Matt, is this one of the rookies you wanted to talk about? Um, no. But um, <laughs> wait a minute. What? Wait, in the Eagles for the Steelers, Chase Claypool goes off for oh. four touchdowns. No, but actually, I do <laughs> want to talk about Big Ben if you're if you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw. I don't know if any of you follow Mina Kimes. She's one of my favorite um, sports people. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. she she had she had a take about uh, Ben 
being sort of ben, the Ben Simmons of, of the NFL because he's, you know, really big point guard who doesn't take the deep shot. And man, Steelers Twitter got so upset over that. And I went and looked at some of the metrics on Ben and also Drew Brees, who we can talk about a little bit later. But I mean, I think it's clear by his own admission and by just watching him on the field that Big Ben's arm strength isn't where it was when he was even five years younger. He had that elbow problem last year. But just to give you some uh, uh, the advanced metrics on it, I mean, he is 26th in the league in what is called intended air yards per pass attempt. That's whether it's completed or not. He's 30th in completed air yards like per completion, which is the same place as Sam Darnold, by the way. Um, he's 30th. He's 30th in completed hmm. air yards per pass attempt, and also. But the interesting part is he's 11th in the league in the yards after catch for the completions that he makes. And where they've been successful is they've been carving up teams mostly in the short and intermediate game um, and going long, you know, when they have to, but not as nearly as much as they did before. And Dave, is there a ceiling to that or does it really depend on, um, you know, is it is it really dependent on just how uh, precise he is? So I don't think that there's I mean, there's there's somewhat of a ceiling to it if they get into a situation to where they have to pass a lot real quick to catch up. But since they have one of the best defenses in football and they can run the ball really well, you know, they're like the most big 10 NFL team ever that they, that might actually work out okay for them. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't see it being a huge, a huge issue for them, but the team also knows that. And so they build around uh, Ben's abilities. And so they get Juju and they get Claypool and they get Deontay Johnson and they get players that can catch it short and take it a long way. Yeah, and ironically, I looked up uh, the defenses of the teams that they've played, and they roughly average like 13th in the league in yards per catch, uh, you know, yards after the catch, um, you know, as far as what they give up. So they've been playing mostly, you know, good teams in regard to not giving up a lot of yards after catch, but they've been relatively successful in that. And so I think it's a testament to, you're right, the coaching, to look at what they have, the limitations of their, their franchise guy, and you know, being successful with uh, the game plan. Absolutely. So I do want to mention. I do want to mention Chase Claypool here, uh, mainly because he came down as a recruiting battle between Michigan and Notre Dame. and chose Notre Dame. I'm still a little salty, but uh, yes, yeah, uh, second round pick, 49th overall, six four, two thirty eight. The worst people on draft Twitter were saying to make him a tight end. Anybody who ever watched this kid realized that he's he's literally Vincent Jackson. He's just Vincent Jackson all over again. Absolutely unbelievable. And three touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground, and like a goal line end around like Tyreek gets used. The kid is going to be a real problem going forward, and we might actually be seeing a real, real big breakout rookie year as teams just have no idea how to adjust to him as quickly as they're going to have to. The Steelers – oh, sorry. Mm. I was going to say, in the Big Ben era, the Steelers have shown that they are at least, you know, really good at at drafting some of these, you know, skill position players like that. I mean, they've had a lot of notable receivers over that time frame, and they had, you know, Le'Veon Bell, and this is another guy who seems to fit in that mold where, you know, with with the success of Big Ben and knowing what his weapons are, I mean, it seems like he fits into that mold and he could be another threat for them for years. Absolutely. If the Packers were as good at drafting skill position yeah. players as the Steelers, they would have gone to 10 straight Super Bowls out of the NFC. 
thank God. Well, thank God Aaron Rodgers is good <laughs> enough to overcome their lack of ability in getting skill position guys. Why do you think God for bad things? Go Lions. What's that? So why do you think God for bad things? Go Lions. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, by the way, uh, Dave, so I, I know that you make fun of the, the, the Jets a lot, but I wanted to give the Lions you know, a little bit of props. When I was looking up stats on Herbert and Burrow, um, I came across drop percentage, and Matt Stafford actually – drops like drop has the highest drop percentage in the league so it's not all his fault uh yeah actually pretty much nothing that's bad about the lions is stafford's fault he's the like one good one good thing but he always has a high <laughs> drop percentage because he throws the ball a million miles an hour yeah i mahomes has the strongest <laughs> arm in the league now but right behind him is stafford and it's pretty much always been stafford up yeah. until mahomes got there i mean he will rifle that uh that thing. I, I'd be afraid to catch it. I don't even want to catch him. So, so, so I get it. One last note from me on this game: the Eagles lost by nine, and this is the best game they've played all year. What do you think is going on with, with uh, Carson? Go ahead, Matt. I don't. I personally don't think Carson Wentz is. I, I don't know. Again, like I, I, this seems like a cop out, but there's something intangible. That is just not there. And I think it's obvious that Peterson at least can coach. He outcoached Bill Belichick in a one-game sample in the Super Bowl to, I mean, it was amazing, right? Like, that game plan was amazing. They executed it perfectly. And we haven't really felt that with um, with Wentz since. It seemed it almost seemed like the team was rejuvenated with Foles. And not that Foles was the long-term answer, but there was something that happened there. And, like, the NFC East in general stinks. But the Eagles have felt like a team that, sh- I mean, they've had a lot of injuries too, but I don't know. Like, I don't watch Wentz and think, that's my guy. I think it's because he's been hurt the way he's been hurt twice. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get an Andrew Luck situation out of him in a couple of years where he just walks away from the game. Um, I'm not questioning the guy's lack to play, like lack of uh, lack of heart to play football. I just think that there's a disconnect um, I don't think the coach is great because, to your point, Matt, he did, you know, have a great game plan in that Super Bowl. But who's to say that wasn't a collaborative effort by all the coaches to kind of get that out there? Um, because where is that guy? You got the same quarterback. You got the same quarterback. And, you know, obviously, you have, you know, different parts moving in and out. I get that. But you got the same quarterback. And there's like a disconnect of maybe these guys aren't on the same page as far as what they're taking out on the field. You know, um, I always remember the days of, of uh, Peyton Manning and, and, and Tony Dungy where, you know, Peyton would get the playbook in March before OTAs and he would edit. I said, these 400 plays, we're not running. We're going to run these 250 plays to perfection. You know, so like I think it, I think there's like a um, questionable coaching that's happening. And maybe, you know, this guy, you guys are making this like way too complicated. The, the, the Eagles suck. <laughs> really? That's the problem with Carson Wentz. The players <laughs> around him are trash. But, but you did. But you said to me uh, two or three weeks ago that that it wasn't his fault. Like, oh, it's we can't blame him or what? No, he's not playing well. I think he's leading the league. The in Eagles had a player right this mistaken. week who had double-digit receptions for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. Can either of you name who that was? Right. Oh. No, right. It, 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 exactly. It's Travis Fulgham, former Lion. 
uh, single-handedly led Old Dominion to a win over Virginia Tech a couple years ago. I remember that. Yep, but that's what I'm saying. He's throwing to absolute nobodies. Like, Miles Sanders is having a rough year as well. It's because the team is awful, and this is the difference, is that Cleve, the Jets, when the Jets suck, everybody sucks, including the quarterback. Matt, the Patriots probably haven't been bad in your entire mm-hmm. life. Like, you've had Brady and then Bledsoe. I hate to break it to you, but I remember <laughs> Pearson, one in one in fifteen, two and fourteen. My father being like, like I, I don't think I'm thirty seven. I remember my father not wanting to talk about the nineteen eighty six World Series because it was that soul crushing. So there was a time in my lifetime where Boston sports was laughable, and everything since then has been just insane. Like it's insane that it would even happen that way. Here's so. here's, here's the difference. <laughs> Is that in 1985, the Patriots were the same age. In 1985, the Patriots go to the Super Bowl. In 1993, you draft Drew Bledsoe. Some of those Bledsoe teams weren't that great, but you were 10 for that. Then you're, what, 17, 18 when Brady takes over, and now you're 37 with six Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah, so here's the thing. Run. That's a run. You guys don't know what it's like to have a bad team with great players, but Lions fans oh. do. I've had I've watched teams of Barry Sanders go three and thirteen. I've watched teams of Calvin Johnson go 0 and 16. Mm-hmm. Bad great players can be on bad teams and not play well because the teams are really bad around them. The Eagles are exceptionally terrible and they're way more terrible than they expected coming into the year because of their injuries. And I said on this show last week, I don't want to hear about it Carson Wentz this week because he's playing the Steelers and it's going to be bad. He's like, yeah, you did yeah. say that. I you put Carson it. Wentz yeah, on that. any, like, put him on the Saints right now, and and it's great. Put Breeze on the Eagles. I mean, like, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, <laughs> I think Carson Wentz is fine. It might not be worth the money that he got, but he's fine, and he's on just a really bad team. And I feel for him because I've seen this happen to lots of great players a lot in my time. Hmm. All right. Uh, the next game we have, what, there's only we one note that matters on this game. Rams 30 at Washington football team 10. Welcome back, Alex Smith. That was a great, that, that was, it was great to see him step on that field. I mean, I don't know what he had to prove to either himself or to anyone in the league. I don't think he, I don't think he needed to prove anything to anybody to come back after what he went through. But this guy, from what I understand, he's a nice guy. And I remember when San Francisco ran him out for Kaepernick. And then when he got to the Chiefs, of course, Mahomes was sitting in the wings waiting. And he got ran out of there as well. Um, then he gets to Washington. And then, you know, we kind of see what happens. So I'm rooting for the guy to, to, to do something, I think. What do you guys ahead, think man. about his him being out so- there? I mean, I was obviously happy for the moment, you know, because of what he went through. But I admittedly was somewhat uncomfortable by it only because, you know, I saw the injury live. It was horrific. And then every time the guy gets hit, it's just difficult for me to separate those two things. And I'm obviously way different than a lot of sports fans. But and I don't have a, a link to that team. But I was happy for him. But then also at the same time, you know, was like, man, I hope he doesn't get hurt again. Yeah. As soon as he came in the game. Or I realized he was coming in the game. I was like, well, they're playing Aaron Donald. So we're going to figure this out real fast. <laughs> yeah, that was, to Matt's point, that's when I, I looked a little, like, nervous. I'm like, man, I'm like, whoever's blocking Donald better fucking block. Because this guy's going to see a free train about, coming out. You know, there are two no things breaks. that television really screwed up this week. We'll get to Dak coming up. But 
they kept going back to show yeah. Alex Smith's wife as he's in the game, and she looked like she was going to have a heart attack. Like, this poor woman, can you get the camera off of her, please? Yeah. She, like... Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was, a, I mean, honestly, th- that's a moment for an entire stadium to be present yeah. to, to, to cheer a guy on, you know, obviously in this situation. But again, you know, you both made a good point. Like, it was great to see him out there. But again, I'm like, what was he coming back for? What do you have to prove? Because he was, he was coming into the game as, as the third guy. Sort of. Right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Second guy. Second, because, because, um... Uh, that well, the benching. We'll talk about that in a second. The benching of of Haskins, but you know he's coming in number two. But did we really think that that Ron's guy was going to actually show up and play the whole game? Like, you guys, think yeah. That was I mean, happen? if if a if a bad team with a bad offensive line is going to get their quarterback hurt against Aaron Donald, was the way it's going to happen, or apparently the missile that is Jalen Ramsey. Um, but yeah, I I just <laughs> I I didn't. I didn't really have much fear that he would get hurt. Like, if he got medically cleared, he's been medically cleared. I just was more concerned about, like, how he would respond mm-hmm. to getting hit the first time. Yeah, had, yeah, two years. Two years. He hadn't seen he hadn't seen football action in two years. That's a long... That's a very long yeah, time. Yeah, and for the listeners in, who may not know what happened to Alex Smith, I'll just uh, go over it briefly. So, two years ago, so November of 18, he gets his leg broken. Uh, in a in a game like a really bad break, and then in the recovery process in the surgery or whatnot, he gets infected with flesh eating bacteria that almost makes him have to take the leg. Could conceivably yeah. have almost killed him. And in order to put his leg back together, they had to like cut out pieces of his other quad muscle and put it down on his other on his other calf and all this craziness. And he couldn't walk for two months, and so now he's back playing in the NFL. So it's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, and this goes to, and again, um, Matt and I always talk about this when it comes to boxing that, you know, it takes a lot of balls to get into into the ring to, you know, to fight whether your your record is, you know, you're a loser or not. Um, it took a lot for him to do that. So when you look at guys walk away from the game like Andrew Luck, you wonder like what it, what it, what's the guy's ultimate threshold to say, well, I'm done. Because if any, if he just said I'm done, no one would have questioned that. No one would have said, oh, you know, why is he done? He's just still trying to play. I'm like, no, no, dude. You saw what happened to him. That injury was horrific. So hats off to the guy. I'm glad he's in. Um, Haskins. So they're they're trying to move him. Uh, they could trade with the Jets for Le'Veon Bell. No. I was, I... <laughs> man, you this know, guy's liberties like, are talk so... about another poorly oh, run man. franchise. Like I, I was baffled. Right when they when they said they're going to bench him, I was like, "All right, fine. If you don't think that he's the guy, and you feel like you've seen your your sample now, of course we're trusting Riverboat Ron. Who, you know, I don't know. I, I I wasn't a huge fan of his in Carolina once they had that their Super Bowl run. It seemed like things were kind of downhill there. But you know, it's like we've seen the Kyle Allen experience. We saw it last year. Like, did we expect anything to be like? Did we expect his performance yeah. to be any different than it was? Like. I, I don't. That's that, what I that was saying. That's what I was saying. I'm like, like, I mean, I guess you get paid like Riverboat Ron gets paid to know more than I do, but it seemed head scratching to me, and I'm like, thank God that's not my team because I don't get that at all. Yeah. Uh, so for the right, next well, game, we, got, we have the Dolphins 43 at the San Francisco Jets 17. 
<laughs> man, <laughs> you know what? Fitzy, oh my God. Fitzy for the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm, I said it here on this show. Fitzy for the Hall of Fame because this guy's numbers are incredible. And the run that he's been on. And, you know, this guy, when he shows up, it's magic. When, you know, it doesn't get trashed until he starts to have to do too much. But if, um, uh, if you'll recall, you know, I did say cook. a couple weeks ago that Fitz Magic is good enough to destroy bad teams after they beat Jacksonville there. And we saw the exact same thing happen here. I mean, yeah. the 49ers are just not good at all. And they're a team that, I mean, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the COVID stuff as it goes forward, but it might get to a point to where the league has some teams just stop playing. Um, and the 49ers should probably be one of them. They are, they are absolutely terrible. They expected <laughs> to be way better. I mean, Jimmy G got benched in this game. Yeah, I mean, the ankle was gingerly at best, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't think he was, he wasn't synced up with these with his guys at all. He wasn't. Yeah, this was the first year where they had. They were the first year they had Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle all at the same time, and they lost by twenty six at home to the Dolphins. I love it. Fucking I, I love it. Like, I, Matt, what I you got on this game? Fitzpatrick this year because it's so clear that he knows he's on bar time, so he's like, I'm just gonna go out there and have fun, right? Like, and that's kind of what that Bring game it. looked like. He looked like he was having so much fun, and I don't know. There's something. Um, there, there's something fun about watching him do his thing right now because he, he literally has nothing to lose. Like, what what exactly is he is on the hook for him? He's already played for i think like 26 of the 32 teams uh he you know and but i will say this and and maybe this is too complicated for for this show but have you ever noticed that like fitzpatrick kind of gets a lot of a pass for making really dumb decisions a lot of time and everybody always goes to the harvard thing like is it that somehow makes him you know, a smart football player in general. I mean, obviously, but I, it was just something that I noticed because when other quarterbacks <laughs> make similar mistakes, it's like, oh, that's just a rookie mistake. But when he does it, it's like surprising because he went to Harvard. And do you notice that? I just happened to notice that recently. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, the guy's a fucking gunslinger, bro. He he goes out there and he just, you know, not throwing it up with a prayer, but He's out there like playing. His yeah, ball. I would never He's connect his type connect of it to where they went to school. It. I mean, Tom Brady went to Michigan and can't count to four apparently. So I'm not uh, I, I'm not going to connect it to the school. I just think that I just think Fitzpatrick is uh, Fitzpatrick is like Brett Favre but good. So he goes out there like really tries to just yeah. Like, I mean, he just goes all out trying to win, and sometimes they're going to throw, make a bad decision. It, it's, it's what he does. That's why he's fits magic. And when it makes a lot of bad decisions in a row that don't work out, he's just fits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for the next game, all right, that was great. What we got one. next? Giants thirty-four at the Cowboys thirty-seven. Uh, all right. So. We can rock, paper, scissors for, for how we're going to do this. But obviously, there's a big thing to talk about. There's a big elephant in the room to talk about. And it has to do with just quarterback play and guys not getting paid. Uh, getting I'll start paid just or, to sort of introduce so what, wants uh, to go first. what happened. So, Dak Prescott took a horrible hit, uh, got sort of like bent over on his ankle, and he suffered a compound fracture and dislocation of his ankle. 
yeah, a horrible, horrible hit. Uh, his foot was just pointing the wrong way on television. Knew it was awful right away. And the reason why this is horrible, aside from being a bad injury uh, to a well-liked player, is that Dak Prescott is on a franchise tag this year. So he's making $31 million this year, but it's for this year only because the Cowboys have not yet extended his contract, his rookie deal, um, whereas other draft picks from his draft class have been extended already, which I think is Goff and Wentz, right? Were they yeah. team? Yeah, yeah. Egregious, so, egregious. so part I'm of glad, the tragedy is that now it's like, well, if this is career-threatening, did this guy just lose out on $100 million or something like that? However, his prognosis is actually pretty good. I think everything that's come out since the injury is as good as it possibly can be. And it's not the White House doctor, so I actually believe him. Mm-hmm. They said that it's a four to six months, probably closer <laughs> to that six-month thing. The surgery was good. There was no damage to the Achilles. Mm-hmm. So he should actually be back to be cleared for football activities yeah. by about yeah. July 4th, which will make him good to go for training camp and all of that. So as long as he doesn't get infected with flesh-eating bacteria after surgery like Alex Smith did, that career-ending stuff, which look like it could be on the table, should at least not be there. Mm-hmm. And guys, just, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm a personal trainer. And Dave and I talked about this in the beginning of the season uh, for non-contact injuries. We've seen a couple now. This was actually a non-contact because the angle of the tackle, I'm, I'm sorry, the angle of the tackle, and he was, I think he was stiff arming or trying to get the defender off of him. Um, and, you know, he, he twisted. It, it, it was a twist, but it was such force and his own body weight obviously threw him to the ground, causing that injury. The thing about the infection risk, guys, uh, this is for the general audience. Your body starts to fight against itself when it's injured that bad. And one of the things about uh, this flesh-eating stuff like staph or MRSA or things like that is that your organs also fail and shut down. So that's the danger that Alex Smith had faced with his leg being um, fractured or broken or whatever it was. And then that's the thing about what Dave said earlier about TV. I don't like, because this happened to Hayward in, in Boston, when they sh- they show the player sitting there, obviously in agonizing pain or or disbelief, and they just keep the camera on the guy. I don't I don't understand why, if we're in an ultra-safe NFL, um, air quotes, why you would kind of have that, like, front and center. And then when all the replays, all the shows showed it, they showed this exact injury to the point I'm like, why would they keep rolling this? Ahead, out real, there. So, what it, do you guys it, think about that? As it was happening in real time, they pan to Dak Prescott, and his foot is pointed in a direction that every single human being on the face of the planet watching that game knows is not the way your foot is supposed to be pointed. And so, of course, the next line is, "Well, let's go to the exactly. replay." And I'm like, "Wait a minute!" So we have so so we have dozens of people working <laughs> in these booths helping to make these announcers look great. I think it was Nance and Romo on that call, and and it's like. There's nobody there that's like, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think anybody in the general public needs to see what happened. I think we've got enough information. His foot is pointed in the wrong direction. I don't understand it. And then all the shows continue. Like yeah. I was, I think it was yeah. either on Get Up or, or, you know, Zubin show. And I'm like, why are they showing this on repeat? Yeah, I, I just found, I just found it. I just found it kind of crazy. And it goes back to what Dave said earlier about this. It's like. TV's doing a really bad job with that, but that's also he's on a franchise tag. That's 
kind of being showed a lot to get in people's head that well that's a really bad injury he may never come back so we're not we're probably not going to pay him what we think he could have been worth so I think all that kind of gels into that but it was just horrible to see that now how do you guys feel about because uh, there's reports that he was offered deals and his 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 uh his agent was turning stuff down like, it what doesn't do matter about any, any because they that? obviously weren't offering him enough I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think he wanted golf. Dak Prescott should be like the him, highest paid quarterback from the draft class of 2016, period. And the reason that he says that, guys, general audience, is that if this game would have went to conclusion, right. I mean, for you know, he's clearly the best quarterback out of that draft class. <laughs> he's well worth it to the uh, to the Cowboys. Like, yeah, he should. He should. The, the offer Jerry Jones is lowballing him, and so his agents were turning it down, and that's and that's and that's what happened. The the thing about this situation, though, and one of my first thoughts after y'all sorting through what happened to Dak is that if I'm Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, I just don't play another snap until I get a long term deal in place. I don't care. Like, right? Because because if you're Lamar Jackson yeah. right now, like no, he should come talk. up this real off talk, season, and I'm sure he's going to get taken care of or whatever. But if I'm him looking at that, I'm just like, no, you can just you can just do this right now. Okay. Right. It, it's the danger of running quarterbacks. It's the it's the danger of it. I mean, you're a football. Once you run out of that pocket, you're 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 fair game to be hit like a running back, right. a tight end, or, or a wide receiver. Right. And you're, if I'm Kyler Murray, game. who's not up for any, two any more contact, I'd go to Arizona and be like, look, you're extending to me now. Or I won't play, and I know whatever. Like, but then I just won't play, and in two years I'll be twenty-four years old, and Kyler Murray, and I'll be rich, and you'll won't have a quarterback. <laughs> so, what do you want to do? Extend me? You know, I think players really need to start yeah. flexing a bit more. I don't know exactly how the union yeah. stuff works like that, but it doesn't matter because the irreplaceable players have all the power in any situation. So, yeah. just to be like. I'm these running quarterbacks, especially yeah. these young black quarterbacks. These are all the ways the people it takes forever to get extended. Like, just tell them like I'm not, I'm not playing. Take care of me. I, I mean, we saw we saw the same organization give Tony Romo a shit ton of cash for a okay career. I'm not gonna say he's Hall of Fame or not Hall of Fame. What do you guys think? Like, so when you look at the pantheon of that, like when you look at Okay, well, Goff and Wentz got paid, <laughs> and then Dak had to keep proving himself for whatever reason. That oh, one more season, let's see what you can do. And then this happens to him now. I mean, from what I understand, around the league, I mean, across different leagues, everyone's you know wishing him well. I mean, I've never really seen that, you know, from my side of things. I've that so many players and people were like, hey man, get well, or you know, this sucks. But what do you guys uh, think about that? Tony so Romo got paid. Preface- that my wife is a Cowboys fan. Her families are uh, all Cowboys fans. They were military and they lived in, in Dallas for quite a while. So that's kind of where that comes up. And I've had probably way too many conversations about the Cowboys than I care to admit. Um, but one of them that I always seem to have with my brother-in-law is about Jerry Jones. And he is one of those people who doesn't believe that Jerry is sort of at the crux of the problem when it comes to the Cowboys. And in this case, he has been, I don't think they should pay Dak. And I was like, I don't really understand that that line of thinking, mainly because if there's one position that you need to have enough talent in, it's that one, right? Like that's the paradigm now. And most of the time, 
what you end up finding is teams do a complete reboot. They get a, you know, a rookie quarterback under a rookie salary and they try to be successful until they have to start paying him. And then once, you know, if they feel like it's warranted, they pay him. The Cowboys, I don't get. Jerry Jones seems to think that he knows more than every single person, yet the the, the results show you that the Cowboys haven't been relevant. Well, they're, they're relevant, but they haven't been relevant in terms of, like, wins and losses and championships in almost 30 years. And... Right? I, but, yeah. and so well, they're not going to pay Dak. Yeah, like, great, great point. I think it's very point. clear that Dak is worth that money. Now, a lot of people were like, oh, he turned down $200 million. It's like, just because it's a lot of money doesn't mean that Dak shouldn't get what he feels he's worth within the relative, you know, within the concept of that market. Market. Yes. With the market. The market dictates the cash. The I market, wish I could the golden rate for quarterback is. I don't, but that doesn't mean that I'm upset that he's turning down twenty when he's clearly worth more than that. I mean, look at this year; he's proved. But it was the funny part was that he had to prove himself. When if you look at like Wentz and Goff, I mean, if think about it though, like what have they done to quote unquote <laughs> prove it? And yet Jerry's making this guy who I think he's like fourth in, in wins. They beat uh, they beat you to the Super Bowl. I know they have, but. Um, but like, how much of it? Like, yeah. how, how much of it was actually Jared Goff worth that kind of money? How much? And how much of it was like Carson Wentz making that kind of money? And it's like, you know, I find it funny that quarterbacks end up getting all the wins and losses and credit, but yet it's a, it's supposedly a team effort. And Dak seemed to be living up to his end of the deal for the majority of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to your point, Matt, the fact that of the one position that you need to take care of, because running backs come a dime a dozen. Dave and I talk about this all the time. You know, sixth round, running back to come out and be great. You know, quarterbacks, if you got one, keep one. You know, make them happy and whatnot. The the thing that that I find striking, like strikingly kind of impossible to swallow here with this whole thing is that, you know, there's... <laughs> There's always the prove-it thing with certain quarterbacks. And I hate to bring race into this thing, but we're a politically, politically charged show. And I just think that when it when it came down to this situation, I just felt like, you know, whatever deal that, that they couldn't have met halfway or whatever it was. But I think it's some of the protections of not being locked into a long-term situation where you can re-up. And I think that's what the Cowboys were scared of is that, okay, we do a four-year deal and then we have to re-up at some point because this guy's still very young. You know, and that probably scared them that we might have to pay yeah. more. Uh, the, the next, the next question so, about this, you know, about this though, is that is what's happening on the field, and that is, is Andy Dalton good enough to win a Super Bowl? I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Isn't is Andy Dalton like? If you looked up the average NFL quarterback, is he is he that, or is he a little bit above or below that for you guys? Oh, he's above. He's above average. Always has been. Okay. I think I think I think the weapons he had in 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 Cincinnati made him, you know, more than. Than, than you know below. Well, if you like say. the weapons he had in Cincinnati, you're gonna love what he has in Dallas. You know, yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's got a load of So a couple things about Andy Dalton <laughs> is that I always thought Andy Dalton was above average because I think the average NFL quarterback is actually bad. So I think he's, I think he's above average. But also, mm-hmm. he, the Cowboys still have the best quarterback in the division this year. <laughs> I. 
Yeah, because yeah, like I, I mean, said, the yeah, Eagles are so bad that Wentz is not bet, yeah. is not is not better now. Uh, the Giants and Washington, obviously not. So they're still going to win this division with Andy Dalton, which means they're going to host the playoff game. They're not going to get the bye. So they have to can Andy Dalton with this team put together four straight wins, one at home, two on the road, one neutral site, probably in their home stadium. If if it so okay so we're in uh, the probabilities of if uh, if this was to happen but no I think, think he charges fifty million a year because he's like well think about how good I could do with it yep. um uh but th- but that's the question and I actually <laughs> think the answer is yes I think that Andy Dalton is good enough with this with this offense to go all the way with it the problem is that the defense is so bad. You know, Dak had to score 40, 45 points a game to have a losing record. Can Andy Dalton score 45 points a game, or is he capped at 35 and it's just not good enough with this team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. Yep. Because we got this tough sled. Uh, the next game, forward. we have the Indianapolis yeah, Colts 23 at Cleves. Cleveland Browns 32. Well, so so Matt and I were talking offline uh, a few weeks ago, and he's like, the Browns have some continuity. I still think they're fool's goal, but I'm starting to, to look like, hey, Baker may finally get it now. Like, he's probably, he's figuring I'm going to play ball. So a couple things about this and game. The first he's is that the Colts are missing Darius Leonard, who is one of the absolute best linebackers in football. And it was sort of unexpected. It just happened in the middle of the week. So I think there were a little... Weird, weird there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Rivers is absolutely, absolutely done, and it's actually embarrassing. It is embarrassing watching him play football now. <laughs> like watching how slowly the like his receivers never drop his passes <laughs> because they're coming in at two miles an hour. And I said last week that if they ever got into a game where they were down, he'd start spraying <laughs> pick sixes all over the field, and it's exactly what he did. They are paying him $25 yeah, you are, million you right dollars for the, the next thing, two years. Cam Newton got signed for $1 million. For his services. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to get <laughs> Man, yeah. I I want to reserve my talk yeah, so, for, I mean, for that segment right there. The uh, That's on the Colts side. The Browns, though, they definitely have a philosophy of how they want to play football. And we've seen this year... In every game, except for two, they've been able to do it, which is where they just run people over and play good defense. Against the Ravens, they just got trucked. And against Cleveland, they did, or against Dallas, they did that. And then Dallas had this crazy comeback, and then they had the huge play to OBJ or whatever. So the question is, when they play against better teams Mm -hmm. that won't just let them do what it is they want to do, Will they be able to overcome it? Will Baker be able to overcome it then? Because whenever they play against teams that let them play how they want to play, they're going to win. Uh, I also noticed um, that the mm. Browns seem to have a fourth quarter problem in the last, at least the last two games that I've paid attention to, where they seem to look really solid for three quarters, and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter hits, and they're up, and they end up winning. But it was like they they let well close, but they let the Cowboys come back. And that, seemed, that, that was yeah. just so strange. And then the way that that game ended with the OBJ play. And then this past week, lots of drop passes. You know, it seemed like people got out of sync in the fourth quarter. And I wonder if 
you know, as you said, Dave, when they start to play good teams, which they're going to play one this coming week. They sure are. Uh, Yeah, they sure are. And, you know, I I wonder if that that discipline issue that seems to have manifested at least in the last two weeks is going to come to bite them when they're in a close game against, say, a Pittsburgh, right? And they're they're playing well enough and then you can't just drop you can't just drop your discipline and all of a sudden take the fourth quarter off if there's anything like you need to be on in that quarter if you're going to win football games consistently so i think i think that there's a a, a yeah. reason for the browns having these fourth quarter problems and that's that this is a problem with all teams that want to run the ball and play good defense and then that's how they get their lead and that's how they want to continue to play so Lloyd Carr's Michigan teams through the mid-90s and early 2000s, if Lloyd Carr's teams went into the fourth quarter down by 10 points, they were actually more likely to win than if they went into the fourth quarter up by 10 points. And it's because their thought is, okay, we have the lead. Now we need to run clock and do all that because that's just sort of with a game they want to play, but that's not the most efficient way to hold the lead. The most efficient way to hold the lead is not to run clock. It's to get first downs mm-hmm. and they try to run. And I think the Browns try to do that because that's how they want to play. And that's why they're going to have these fourth quarter problems in competitive games where they have to pass in the fourth quarter because they're only up by three or by seven or whatever. It might actually solve itself. Yeah. It's kind of like the two goal lead in hockey is more dangerous than the one goal lead. Mm-hmm. My wife was like, why is that so? And I was like, because the teams play differently when they're yep. up two goals. Like, they're 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 afraid of giving up the goal to make it one, and then they do, and they play even tighter, and then all of a sudden the game's tied. Yep. So for the next for the next game, uh, we have the Sunday night game, and this had a lot of really interesting things happen. We had the Vikings 26 at the Seahawks 27. Yeah. I, okay. So mm-hmm. you've you've been clamoring for the let Ross Coke situation, and I get that. I think I think Pete Carroll likes he likes these type of games for some reason, um, where it's this close or whatever, and then Russ has to like get heroic. It's just I don't know. It's kind of weird uh, of of his coaching. Like his coaching philosophy is like I know he's a players coach, but I think he he leaves a little bit too much out there, and he's. He's always so like the first note that I have on this game is that so the Vikings get out to the lead, and the, Pete Carroll's first reaction was to just completely turtle. Like he reverted back to we're just going to hand the ball to Chris Carson over and over and over again once the at the first time of, of adversity, and I really didn't like that because that's not going to suit them well when they have to play good good teams. But then also, Cleve, I wanted exactly. to ask you. I know you've come around, but are you just officially on the bandwagon for DK Metcalf now? Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, I uh, I I take back everything I said about the guy. I mean, the guy's a he's a force. He's a big he's a big receiver. Yeah. Um, and he's cooked a couple yeah, of number that, uh, ones out there. He's he's cooked a lot of guys. So yeah, I'm officially I'm officially. But like even the guys, on, the, on the game winning okay. drive on the fourth I, I and ten, he gets a forty yard catch out. down the sideline, got to get the toes in like Chris Carter. The game winning catch in the end zone, he's got to go low, slide, cradle the ball. Like he's not just big and fast. He's actually a good wide receiver. And we could we could because he gets to play with Russell Wilson, we could actually be on the verge mm-hmm. of seeing something really special happen here. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, Russ needs a bailout guy. 
you know, he needs a, a guy when the chips are down because Pete Carroll's coaching is questionable since that Super Bowl. <laughs> Man, I don't believe that. He cost them a Super Bowl. But anyway, um, yeah, so I just, yeah, I, I see where, I see why they have him and where um, he fits into, like, things the on the things. coaches. First Matt, of all, you got on uh, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame gum chewer. I don't care what you say about <laughs> his coaching. Um, the guy is on the Mount Rushmore for chewing gum. Like, I, I, I don't know if I could ever be as confident doing something as he is chewing gum. Um, and then every time they show Mike Zimmer, Frank, with the Vikings, I, I feel like he should be wearing one of those wee willy winky, like, sleeping hats, right? Like, he just, I don't know. Like there's something there, there's something about that Vikings team that feels so. I mean, and Dave, maybe it's just that they're not talented like the Eagles, but it's like I I don't I feel like I know what they want to be, but it also doesn't seem to sometimes fit the mold of what they have out there. Where it's like you've got a feeling you had Stefan Diggs, and I know they want to be mostly a run first team, and you know Kirk Cousins is questionable, but they're just a team that baffles me for the most part because I feel like they should be a little bit better than they actually their record is. Uh, I say so I don't think they should be better than the record because their defense is atrocious. Uh, they're they're in salary cap hell right now, and so they're they're in a they're in a rough way. And their defense has Yannick Ngakwe and nobody because Anthony Barr is hurt too. So they have literally nobody on that on that side of the ball. So they're 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 in trouble. They are a run first team, but it's hard to be a run first team when you can't play defense. I agree. Um, it, it does seem like uh, Russell Wilson, has, yeah. you know, he's obviously having an exceptional, uh, an exceptional year, and perhaps you know sometimes despite the coaching. But I don't get the feeling this year that he's leading the league in thirty-yard passes for three-yard gains the way he had the last few years, where it's like he had to run fifteen yards away from the line of scrimmage because his offensive line was either I'm not going to block or I'm just incapable of doing so. And it seems like they've at least somewhat figured that out to where he's not running for his life every single play. Uh, so we do have to talk about this game, though. This was the big game theory yeah. decision of the week. So the Vikings were up 26-21 to 21 at the Seattle six-yard line at the two-minute warning. Seattle had one timeout. So they're up by five. It's fourth down. Uh, fourth and inches. Do you go for the first down, which would end the game, or do you kick the chip shot field goal to go up by eight points? Um... I mean, sorry, this is the Vikings. I, I the, the Vikings have the lead. They're on fourth down, right? Yeah. They're, so it's fourth yeah. and inches at the right. six-yard line. They're up 26 to 21. First down ends the game. Field goal go up by eight. So I think if I'm if I'm the coach, and again, I, I am not a coach, so this is you know, worthless. But um, kicking the field goal, even going up by eight, automatically gives the ball back to Russell Wilson, who's potentially the league MVP. So you are opening yourself up to whatever he's capable of and tying the game. And I realize eight points, you know, you have to get the two and all that, but at least going for it, you can ice the game, as you said. And I think if your defense is as bad or, you know, in rough shape as it is, um, I, I think I would take the chance of, of getting the first down to ice the game. That's just me personally. Cleve? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I take it out of Jimmy um, Brown's um, out of his cap. He says I, I don't get paid to rip off eighty yard runs. I, I get paid to convert downs. So yeah, if you can't get me a fourth and inches here, then why are we doing that? Because the field goal is not. I mean, it's a chip shot, but it's we've seen some hellacious kicks this year already. So, 
So I'm I'm, I'm with So Matt. I actually am inclined to agree with you guys. It turns out draw. that it's actually like a very even decision in terms of winning percentage and whatnot. However, I look at things sort of situationally as well. And if I have a chance to win the game without letting Russell Wilson back on the field, I think I'm going to take that. Uh, no, their play call was horrendous. They like turned exactly. into like a handoff four yards behind the line of scrimmage. They got it blown up. Right, sneak that. Um, uh, yeah, so no, the play call was sneak, absolutely bro. horrendous. <laughs> but I like the the idea of of going for it there. And I, I've seen some people really like blowing up the coach for for going for it. And I certainly see the upside of going by eight points. They have to score a touchdown and a two point conversion and win in overtime. But the thing is, just win the game, and and I think that I think they were right to to go for it there. Of course, they did not make it. Russell Wilson came on the field and led. Well, actually, DK Metcalf led the Seahawks down the field for because he had like seventy five of the ninety five yards for <laughs> for the game winning touchdown. I agree with you, Dave. Like there, and a lot of those like metrics too yeah. on what they should yeah. should do is somewhat devoid of who you're playing too. Like it's in this specific situation, this is what you should do. When you're looking at the other side of the field, it was kind of like that game, the Colts Patriots game, way back where Belichick went for it on like their own twenty-two because he's like, I don't want to give it back to Peyton Manning, you know, like by just punting it away from him. They at least have to take it from us, and yeah, was that, right. that was. Right, and that, that, yeah, exactly. And it's like you're going to give it to this guy who's just able to carve up defenses whenever he wants. And Russell Wilson's doing that this year. And a lot of fans like to play the result. Well, they didn't make it. Well, that's a different thing, right? The play call was terrible. The decision to, the decision to do so was not. You have to separate those two things. Yeah, but play call. Yeah, yeah. I felt that they made the right call, and that's the call I think is smart. I mean, just because there's metrics on what you should or shouldn't do there has to be somewhat of a gut feeling for these guys. I mean, they've been in the, in the game of football for a really long time. Like they have to make these decisions and Hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I mean, it, it comes down to personnel. I mean, going back to the Super Bowl with the Seahawks and Patriots, I mean, Marshall Lynch is running rough shot all game, getting you down the field. I mean, one more time, give it to him, you know, if you're going to give it to him in any situation, uh, ironically, this is the, the play 2005 call. Rose so, yeah. Bowl, the national title game, USC was beating uh, beating Texas, and they had a situation to where go for and forth the one and end the game, or punt the ball and try to pin Vince Young deep. And Pete Carroll made the decision to go for it and didn't have Reggie Bush on the field and didn't make it. And then, of course, Vince Young came in and led Texas down the field for the win. So Pete Carroll has actually been on both sides of this. Um, but yeah, I think going for it, there was absolutely right. Uh, mm-hmm. Last game that's been played was last night, yeah. and that was the Chargers 27 at the Saints 30. So I didn't see much of this game because I was studying. <laughs> Allah, I didn't know that uh, we had another firing. Hopefully it's Gates this week. So but, um, the first thing to note is that uh, um, Justin so Herbert is actually really good. One. Last week I said his floor was really good. Uh, Osweiler, Brock Osweiler, that's not true. He's way better than that. Uh, so far he's had he's had losses to Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's been he's been competitive in or had leads yeah, had I mean. leads in all of them. <laughs> and the thing about the Chargers that's driving me crazy. 
watch, watching, the, oh, sorry, Josh Howley's on the TV doing these hearings. I hate this guy, Senator from Missouri. Um, the thing about the Chargers is driving me crazy. Watching the game, I sort of was picking up on this, but I saw the stats afterwards. On first downs, they ran 18 times for a total of 20 yards. So they're constantly putting Herbert in second along. And wow. You know, like first down is is the best down for him to be passing on, especially when you have that sort of that sort of play calling tendency, anyways. And it's just, you know, it's a he's it's amazing how well he's been doing when the play calling has been hampering him in such a way. And Anthony Lynn should absolutely be fired. I think with the body of work that we've seen from from Herbert so far. It's actually right. astounding and remarkable, given that the guy wasn't supposed to really start playing yet. He forced in, forced into action, and he, you know, and it sucks to be uh, Mr. Taylor because he may yep. never see the field again, at least with with this team, unless you know Harbor gets hurt or it turns into a shit show at some point. But you know, I mean, for a guy who had to put, get put in the day of a game where he w- didn't expect to probably have any. You know, snaps like he walks in there and he, he's doing the best he can. You know, but the yeah, the coaching is. I mean, I didn't see this week's game obviously, but I mean, I Dave and I have talked about this in the last couple of weeks. You know, Lynn Lynn yeah, is like and really I, I did catch right now. I'm like, the first half of this doing? game, and I've caught some of the the Herbert stuff, and I feel like just looking at him aesthetically, I feel like he's looked good, right? But um, I, I kind of looked at him and Joe Burrow because I think up until this game against the Ravens, everybody was kind of saying that Burrow has looked pretty good in his rookie year. But the interesting thing, the stat, um, is Herbert, you know, we t- uh, Dave, we t- I talked about, like, you know, drop pass uh, percentage, right? So Herbert is second in the league, which means his receivers don't really drop his balls, which is extremely helpful, of course. Um, but and, and also, he is like, where is it? Um, he's he has like the uh, worst, the second worst average pocket time of any starting quarterback. So not so from the t- you know like the time the ball is snapped, either when the pressure breaks down or he throws the pass, he's getting something like one point nine seconds or, or something like that on average. So he doesn't have as much time in the pocket. The play calling has been suspect, but he's been making it work despite some of these things. And yes, I know that's not translating to wins and losses, but if you look at some of those advanced metrics and also he's not getting sacked as much as Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow's on a pretty decent uh, sack uh, average here for the season. Like if he continues on this trend, he's going to get sacked like almost 71 times this year. And I did that research for you. Um, So right now, is it like David Carr um... times in five games, which is (laughs) 4.4 per game. Uh, if that pace if that pace keeps up, he'll be at just over seventy. David Carr was sacked seventy six times in his rookie year, and that's always like the, you know, we talk about how a rookie quarterback can't succeed if he's getting sacked that often. So Joe Burrow's headed in that direction, um, whereas you know Herbert's only been sacked about yeah. two times a game. So that's helpful. Those things are helpful, even though he's not getting a good pocket presence. He's not taking sacks. He seems to be doing. You know, mostly the right things and as a rookie that he's I think he's doing more than you could possibly ask for for somebody who wasn't like the number one overall pick or something like that but I think it's interesting looking at some of these and the the metrics don't mean either a guy's good or not but just you look at um, what you're seeing on the field and then see some of the stats to help further your feeling about it that's just what I did Gotcha. All right, so we're heading into the last 10 minutes of the show. 
Uh, I think Matt, you well, had some, the, the some points about some um, rookies, you know, and I guess and Herbert, uh, Dave and I are going to react to this. Quarterbacks, you know. Um, and I just, I, I find it's interesting looking at Joe Burrow, how we feel like he's looked good, but yet he's very much in the bottom half of the league in a lot of categories for starting quarterbacks. And not that we're expecting him to be in the top half. It's just very interesting that his actual QBR is below Sam Darnold, right? Like, and that, that one kind of threw me for a loop. Um, but I think wow. the difference, I, I think if both of these teams had a better coaching strategy, you know what I mean? Like a better coaching strategy or, and, Dave, you talked about how the Bengals seem to almost be like preparing to lose really well. Um, you know, the Chargers had they, they should have won that game last night. Like yep. it just seemed like there was some yeah, it's and, and and it doesn't seem like it's Herbert's fault Herbert's fault or necessarily Burrow's fault. But if the coaching can get in line with what seems like we're seeing from these guys, I I, I do think that they should, you know, be good. I just don't trust the Bengals to do it over the Chargers because the Bengals haven't really been trusted to do much of anything. Uh, for a really long time. I don't know. Th- those are the two guys that I wanted to look at because we always talk about, you know, quarterbacks and everybody's like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's not good. Um, but it seems like they're both in different places, but aesthetically people have been saying they look good. Yeah, they both they both look really good. And the different places, like, like the different teams that they're on really make a big difference as well. The chargers get to play in the afc west which means they get denver twice las vegas twice and the chiefs twice none of those defenses are that intimidating or good or whatever mm-hmm. the bengals have to play the ravens twice the steelers twice and the browns twice yeah you know oh yeah so they're they're just in a much much worse much worse position mm. and overall team talent cincinnati should be lower than uh the chargers mm. but the Chargers have had, I mean, Keenan Allen went out of this game in the first quarter. Austin Eckler's out. Derwin James is out. Melvin Ingram is out. You know, they've lost so many, so many players that really they are just sort of Cincinnati West. And that's why I think they both look good because I think they both are good. But Herbert looks a little bit better because the situation is just better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Burrow made a throw against the Ravens that was a oh he's definitely a rookie when he when yeah. he made that decision it was like I think I, I blurred out I don't know what that was and Chrissy's like yeah what was he doing and I was like nothing intelligent because uh, that wasn't good whatever that was I think there was like four Ravens in the vicinity yep. and not one uh, Bengal striped jersey but I think he, I think he had been hit like nine times when that happened oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's what I mean he's getting hit a lot yep. and it's unrealistic to think that that's going to last the long haul like they've got to figure that part of it out because you can't expect him to reach his ceiling if he's getting crushed all the time and not necessarily translating to sacks but hurried pressured hit it adds up yep yeah so i had mentioned this earlier um about you know psyches of quarterbacks things of that nature so my closing remarks and i'll give you guys a floor for yours is that, you know, Dak included in this, you know, the NFL, and, and Dave always points this out to me, there's 32 unique jobs in every in every category, right? 32 unique jobs in every category. And the value of a quarterback is very, very home special. So to Matt's point about protect, you know, protecting Joe Burrow or, you know, Herbert not having to do as much as the next guy or whatever it is, it's, it's very important that when you draft a quarterback, when you have a quarterback in your midst, that you keep this person around for the next, you know, the goal is like, what, 10 years? You want to have a quarterback for in most in most regards? Sam Darnold got ruined. Um, I didn't think he was a great quarterback coming to us 
in the first place. But obviously, the quarterback whisperer, air quotes, just destroyed this guy's career. And he's going to be a backup at best or probably a third-string guy uh, at some point. Same way I think the Shanahan's <laughs> ruined Robert mm-hmm. Griffin III. Yes. Um, but I think he's still in the league somewhere, right? I think he's, he's on Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and it's just that, you know, the Dak thing just, just reminded me of, of how valuable a quarterback is when you want to play these, these you know, these, these games of, well, show me something more or whatever it is. You know, if he hits the free market, he's going to still get paid, but he probably won't get what he was should have gotten. But Dallas would be really stupid not to kind of see, you know, see what they got. Because if they don't do something, they're going to be looking for a quarterback yep. in the next draft. So just real quick, I'll touch on uh, the game that we have tonight. So what do you guys got for closing remarks? We have uh, future NFL MVP, Josh Allen, Mm. uh, at at the Tennessee fighting COVIDs. And uh, (laughs) I want to talk about this game a little bit just because of the the COVID-19 situation there. So at this point, 20 Titans players have tested positive. So Mm -hmm. they're just not playing out. Luckily for them, it ran wow. through their practice squad. So a lot of the players on our practice squad guys, but AJ Brown is hurt with a knee. Adam Humphreys, okay. COVID-19, Corey Davis, COVID-19. So they have John U. Smith at tight end. And then the number one wide receiver for this game is going to be Khalif Raymond. Yeah. So they're still better than the Eagles, but wow. Oh, Look, mom, I'm they're, getting, they're really, they're in a lot of trouble. They can't throw the ball because they have nobody to throw to. Derrick Henry. I think Buffalo could put 10 in the box to stop to stop Derrick Henry. And this speaks to what Matt was saying at the very beginning about the competitive imbalance. Yeah. Competitive imbalance yeah. is not just who plays what games where and when and wins the schedule and all that. It's also when you are able to play, are you actually able to play? And I don't think either one of these teams should agree to play this game tonight. I don't think the Titans should play because they're a competitive disadvantage because half their team is gone. And the Bills shouldn't play because they're going to be playing against people who are obviously positive with COVID-19 mm-hmm. and they haven't caught it yet. Like, you can't have 20 out of 53 guys or 20 out of 75 guys have it and be like, oh, but these are the 55. They're good. We'll play them. So I actually think the NFL is making a huge mistake trying to force this game mm-hmm. tonight. And they should already go to their week 18 situation. Well, it, yeah, I, I was going to agree with that because I mean, honestly, you know, if I'm, if I'm the bills, I'm, I'm going out there unleashing <laughs> hell on these guys. I'm going to, you know, Stefan Dish should have like 300 yards. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious because you know what? You guys decide to play this game, and you guys are not at full strength. Not my problem. So I'm gonna come out there. We're gonna we're gonna just light it up on you guys. So I agree that this game shouldn't have been played. But when right. are you gonna exactly. you know, schedule it for? You know? and just go to week week eighteen. Dave, I completely agree with you that the NFL what you got for doesn't really audience. care about the competitive imbalance. I would even say they don't really care about their players all that much, as long as the product on the field uh, is remained and their bottom line is kept. And I think this is a great example of it. Um, I, too, wish that the players would flex a little bit more. I know that there's a a ton of people who are tired of whining athletes, um, but this is a little bit of a different scenario, and I think they have the ability to band together and say, we're not going to do it. Um, And I I agree. I wish they would. Um, And I think it's unfortunate for a guy like Josh Allen because, you know, he's looked really good. That team has looked really good. Um, 
but yet it doesn't seem like you know overall that people are necessarily giving Josh Allen the full credit that he deserves, and then they're going to go out there and beat a de- you know potentially beat a depleted team. And I, I wish the NFL cared a little bit more about the competitive imbalance because I think it does affect the product on the field, which you know it alienates some fan bases depending on you know what's happening because the Denver Broncos who did ev- nothing wrong have to now you know lose their bye week because and that's not that the Patriots did anything wrong but that whole thing and it's a cascading effect so um but I just I hope that the season finishes out I hope that the teams uh, are able to play at mostly full strength because I as a consumer want to see the teams at full strength that's why I tune into red zone every week and the closing thing I'll have to say is thank god for red zone Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if if I was uh, in the New York market having to watch either the Giants or the Jets, uh, yeah, just just myself. real quick, right, right uh, now, I, I love would have been, been on about suicide whiny watch athletes like because that tells me that that's a person I no longer have to interact with. That's correct. It, it's like it's like a dead giveaway. Like, oh, this person sucks. Like, <laughs> like, oh my god, and the thing is, they're so proud about it. Like, it's a great way. Like a lot of times, like people just like have swastika tattoos or whatever. They'll be like, these athletes, I'm so sick of their whining. You're like, okay, sure thing. Goodbye. So Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know what else I'm sick of? White supremacists. So why don't we go ahead and have that? To, you know what I mean? Like, I, I agree with you, like, that, that, that people get so uptight about athletes. And it's like, dude, just come on and tell me that you're jealous because you don't make millions of dollars. It's okay to be honest about that. Yeah. Oh, I think I, I think Matt, you told me that uh, that Pat Mahomes it's, um, is the only I, one. That's it's it's, it's incredible what you said to me. The guy's living his best fucking life ever. I was like, so. actually, I beg to differ. I think he might be the only person who's having a really good one across the board. I mean, GQ cover, five hundred million dollars, <laughs> Super Bowl engagement, baby. I'm like, really, just pack it all. Uh, there, and, and he bought the Royals. They all. Oh, which was like fifth on the list for him. He's like, oh, that was just something I was yeah, on yeah. card shopping. I decided <laughs> to drop uh, the, the Royals in my card. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, guys, this was a great show. Um, I would love to have you on again, Matt, as a guest whenever you're available. Dave, really good, solid work as usual. Matt, thank you for bringing some of those stats because I'm not a stat guy. I'm, I'm more the casual fan, although I've been watching, but... You know, I'm clamoring for, you know, um, if if it does, if COVID does rage the way it does, that uh, that some of these teams don't play, like you know, don't because you're going to give us a bad product, and I guess these guys have to make a check, so maybe they're being forced to play tonight, and we don't well, know. Thanks it, for having me, know, on, or, or they're not going to get paid. Thank you. You know, so have a good one. We'll see. Bye. All right.